You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Parenting is a hard deal. I remember when we first brought home our, uh, when we brought home our oldest daughter uh, from the hospital. You know, we weren't like kids. I mean, like I was 29 when I got married, and my wife was 24, and so like we we you know we were adults. But yet at the same time, uh, we didn't really have. Uh, any instruction, you know, you get a car in the da- in the in the glove box. There's like a book, you know, <laughs> that tells you all the stuff about that car, right? But they give you a kid at the hospital, a baby, a human being, and you bring it home from the hospital, and you got nothing. You got nothing. And I remember when uh, when the when the uh, doctor uh, released us from the hospital, he said, "Now my wife was going to breastfeed, you know, and somehow somehow I don't know I don't know all the biological stuff about that, but it doesn't always work the moment that you want it to work. And so like my uh, my wife was having a little problem getting that started, and the doctor had said, I don't know why he told us this. I don't know if he just had a sick sense of humor or what, but he told us, he said, now if the child gets hungry before you're able to breastfeed, he said, feed her some Pedialyte, okay? Well, I didn't know what Pedialyte is. I, you know, I had no clue. And so like we brought this baby home, and it wasn't very long, and this child starts crying. And so, like, she tried to breastfeed, and it wasn't working, and, and so, like, the, cow, the kid's crying, and, and, man, she don't stop either. I mean, they're relentless. I mean, you know, wham, wham, wham. And so, like, you know, so I go, I run to, I'm like, oh, my God, we got to run to the drug. So I run to the drugstore, right, and I get this bottle of Pedialyte, you know, and it looks like water, you know, and I bring it back, and we put it in the bottle, and we're like, okay, we stick it in there. She don't want that. No, she ain't having none of that. None of that. And so literally for the first three hours or so, maybe longer, we are dealing with this screaming, screaming child who's extremely angry. And I remember I, I, uh, I, at one point, we, and we lived in this little house that only had one room in it. So it wasn't like you could go in another room and shut the door. You were stuck, man. It was like hell on earth. And so like we had... We had this kid, and so like we're sitting there. I remember at one point we had the baby laying there on the bed, and, and both of us are looking at her, and we've tried everything we think we know how to do, and she's just wah, wah, wah. And I remember looking at her and going, shut up, you know? My patience had already worn out, and I was three hours into fatherhood, you know? <laughs> For, we called the hospital. This one's broke. I mean, we want another one. You know, where is the return desk? And they, they were like, give her some formula for Pete's sake. Oh, why didn't you tell us that? We didn't know that. We didn't want to mess her up, you know. And so anyway, so parenting is interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a job. I believe that um, one of the reasons why Christ came to this earth was to expose the heart of the Father. 
Amen. You know, Jesus said in, John, in the book of John a number of times, if you, if you see me, you see the Father. I only do what the Father wants me to do. I only do the will of the Father. It's like he was constantly trying to show the, the people around him what the Father was like, what the heart of the Father is. You know, if you look in the Old Testament and you read the Old Testament, sometimes you think that you can't really find the heart of the Father because there's some really some rough stuff in there. You know, where they're telling, you know, the Israelites to walk into a city and destroy every man, woman, boy, and girl, and every animal that exists. And, and you think to yourself, man, what kind, of, what kind of heart is that? But as you look into the Word of God and through that Old Testament, you can see constantly God trying to expose His heart. You know, he, he even put in the law, he, he told the Israelites, he said, hey, when you have a foreigner come in your midst, make sure that you treat them hospitable. Because there was a day when you were a foreigner in Egypt. And, and, and you know, uh, I, I was thinking about Hezekiah, you know, in the book of, I think it's Second uh, Kings chapter uh, 20, where Hezekiah, the king, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah walks into his bedroom where Hezekiah is sick, and, and he tells him, he says, you better get your house in order because you're going to die. God, God told me to tell you, you're checking out. And, and Hezekiah uh, turned his face to the wall and he prayed 22 words. And before Isaiah left the castle where uh, Hezekiah was, uh, God had already spoke to Isaiah and said, go back up there and tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years. I, th I think about King David, you know, when he sinned with Bathsheba. And a man, you know, committed a, not only adultery, but premeditated murder. And there was no, there was no provision in the law that, that enabled someone to come to the priest and to make a sacrifice for such a sin as David committed. By law, he should have been stoned to death. But you know what? David knew something about the heart of the Father. Amen. And so David uh, cried out to God, and you look in Psalms 51 where he says, in, in the Word of God, he says, God, if there were a sacrifice that I could give you that you required, I'd give it, but there is none. So he cried out for God's mercy. And he knew something about God. He knew that God's mercy was greater than, than his laws and his rules. Amen. But you know, the, the, the Israelites, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to it here in a second, hanging with me. Uh, but the Israelites, the Jews, they figured out rule keeping finally. It took them a while. If you look at the book of Judges, you'll see that there was many times when the, the, the Israelites fell into idol worship and, and, and you know, uh, they would do pretty good for a while and then they would gravitate towards... Uh, you know, Jesus said in one place, He said uh, that we should be salt and light. How many of you ever heard that? You know, and, he, and, and in fact, in the chapter right before where we're fixing to look at here in a second, right at the end of that chapter, he says, if, a salt, if salt has lost its savor, what good is it? You know, salt is a season. It's got a seasoning taste to it. He says, if it's lost its savor, what good is it? You know, and, and, and salt is one of the most stable compounds there is. Uh, some have tried to disprove the words of Christ by saying, you know, there's no way that salt can lose its savor. It's, it's, you know, it's the most stable, one of the most stable compounds there is. But that's not what Christ was saying. What, the way salt loses its savor was that it had other things contaminate it. Other things would attach itself to the salt, which would make it no good. 
Amen. And, and so they would take that and literally throw it out in the streets. It wasn't good to put in your garden or whatever. And that's why Jesus said it's good for nothing but to be trodden underfoot. Amen. And so, and so as we look and we look and we see the Word of God, we see that everything that Christ did was trying to help you know, the Israelites, the Jews, to understand the heart of God. And they became good rule keepers, but man, they lost sight of the heart of the Father. They lost sight of the fact that the Father had a bigger plan and a bigger agenda than just them. He wanted to encompass and bring in everybody under this household of faith. Amen. Aren't you glad of that today? In today's uh, passage, we're going to be looking in chapter 15 of the book of Luke. And I'm going to be looking primarily, I'm going to be drawing this message from the, the, the last parable. There's three parables in that chapter. I kind of call it the lost chapter. Amen. Because, uh, because of the fact there's three lost things in this chapter. In the first part of this chapter, there's a lost, there's a lost sheep. And Jesus tells a story about how that somebody, a shepherd has 99 sheep or 100 sheep and he loses one and he goes out and he searches until he finds that one lost sheep. And when he finds it, he brings it home and there is a great rejoicing that takes place because he found that one lost sheep that was gone instead of the 99 that hung out, you know. The second thing is a lady who lost a coin back in, the, in that culture. Oftentimes the, the ladies who were engaged to be married were given ten coins by their, by their husband-to-be and they would string those coins together. It was kind of like their, uh, their dowry, a part of their dowry. And, and on their wedding day they would wear that uh, you know, around their head or whatever. And, and to lose one of those coins, you know, to be careless with it was kind of like, um, you know, like you weren't quite faithful, you weren't responsible. It was a shame. And so this lady lost one of those coins, and the Bible says in this chapter that she goes and she sweeps her house, and she looks in every corner until she finds that one lost coin. And, and when she does, she calls her neighbors up, uh, yeah, on Facebook, she calls her neighbors up, and she says, guess what, I lost, I found my coin, and everybody's happy. You know, there's joy that, that takes place. So there's some themes that are taking place in this chapter. One is, is that there is some lost things. The second thing is, is that when something is lost, there's effort to, to find it because it's important. It has value. Amen. The third thing is, is that when it is found, there is joy that takes place. And that is what happens when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? You know, I was thinking about the lady that lost the coin in the house. Oftentimes, you know, there's people right in the house that are lost. You know, you can be, man, you can be wayward. You can be away from God. You can be struggling with things in your life that are separating your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and things are not quite right. And you can be right in the house. I've been there. I've been there. Amen. It's not that hard. But aren't you glad that the heart of the Father is one that is constantly searching and trying to restore and redeem and bring back those that are away from Him? In this story in the book of 
Luke in the 15th chapter, the last parable is a, is a parable about two sons. And he says, and he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And he said, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, which I'm assuming was probably not that great a job for a Jew who was not allowed to eat pork. And when he would have filled his belly with the hus that the swine did eat, that's pretty hungry, and no man gave unto him, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, The brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. And the brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said unto uh, his father, Lo, these many years I have served thee, neither transgressed I at any time your commandment. And yet thou never gave me a kid that I might make, that I might make merry with my friends. And as soon as this son has come, which has devoured your living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. Give the Lord praise to that. Will you do it? Come on. Amen. I want to talk about the heart of the Father, but before I do that real briefly, I feel like I have to address the subject of the Father. Because I'm a mental health counselor. And I can tell you that not every presenting issue that comes to me stems back to somebody's parenting. But most of them do. And, you know, uh, sometimes you may have been raised in a home where the father was not what he should have been. You know, we talked at the first about how no matter how good you are, you still fall short. But, you know, there's some who fell way short. Some of them weren't even present. And if we're not careful... We, we try to correlate our concept of God the Father with an earthly father. And can I tell you today that that's impossible to do. 
Amen. Our goal as the Father is to, re- is to reflect the Father, but the Father in heaven's goal is not to reflect us. He is perfect in every way. His love never varies. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He never does anything that is not for our good. Are you hearing me today? Amen. The Heavenly Father is never one that would leave or forsake us. He is one that would always be there. His love endures forever. He wants nothing but the best for us. So we got to get our mind off the earthly aspect of it a little bit and focus on the fact that this Heavenly Father that we have, He's unlike any other. Amen. Amen? It's okay to say amen. All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so I want to tell you something today. I want you to focus on that Father. Because that Father is the one we're going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. Amen. And I, I, was, uh, I watched a movie last night. We don't go to a lot of movies. I don't, I just, I'm just, I, just, I, I don't like going to them. Only because they're crowded and, I'm, you know, and they cost a lot of money. And so, and so usually we see the movie after it's been out like you know, six months or a year or whatever. And so last night we saw the movie. I can only imagine. Anybody seen that movie? Isn't that a great movie? And, and, and I, I couldn't, man, it just, I, this message had already been on my heart for like a month. And uh, so it just kind of been germinating in my spirit. And, and as I was watching that movie, you know, and of course it's the, the story about a, a guy who's, you know, uh, who had a father that was very abusive. And, uh, and, and I thought about how that, wow, you know, God is so awesome that he's able to change even the hardest of sinners. Amen. His desire, irregardless of where we're at right now, is to bring us up to the level He wants us to be at. And, you know, and I look at the heart of the Father, and and the thing that stood out to me first is that when this young man comes to his father and he asks for the portion of goods that was not yet his, you know, it was his inheritance. Normally you get an inheritance after your father dies. You don't come to your dad when he's in the middle of his life and go, hey, give me what belongs to me. You know, basically what he's saying is, I wish you were dead already. I would like to have what, what I don't want to have to wait until you drop dead for me to get what I want. And, and, but you know what? The Word of God says that this father was so giving that he gave to him. He said he gave to them Notice he said them, not just him, but he divided the portion to both sons. But we serve a giving God today. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We serve a God who has a giving heart. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and, and uh, you know, if we are children of God... I I always, you know, uh, uh, as a pastor, as a former pastor, I can tell you that, you know, I kind of have trouble really buying into somebody's profession of salvation and Christianity when they can't give to somebody else. Or they can't give to God. Or they have no desire whatsoever to sacrifice anything on their part. Because if you've got the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, it's going to reflect on the outside. 
Amen. And you know what? Uh, everybody has different gifts, and I believe giving is a gift. Amen. But at the same time, if we are going to reflect the heart of God, God is a God of giving. He gave to us His only Son. Not only did He give, but He was so patient. Amen. So patient. God recognizes the fact that we are wayward children. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to our own way. You know that series that Matt preached on, on the 23rd Psalm? I still germinate. Man, I'm still ruminating on that. Amen. You know, there's hardly a week goes by at some point I don't think about something that he said about that passage of Scripture. How that we are like sheep or so prone to wonder. But yet at the same time, aren't you glad that God knows us? It's not that He condones our, way, our wandering ways. Amen. He wants us to do better. Amen. He expects us to come up to the standard in which He has set for us. But at the same time, it's not like He casts us away because we make mistakes or that we foul up. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is constantly aware of the propensity that we have to fall into the pitfalls of sin or to give in to temptation. But if we were just to look to Him as the author and finisher of our faith and we allow Him to form in us the nature of Christ like He wants to, amen, we can make progress and we can overcome those things. Do you believe that today? Amen. It's not God's will for you to struggle with addiction. Are you hearing me today? It's not God's will for you to fall prey to pornography over and over again. And every time you do, you ask, you, you ask for forgiveness and say, I won't do it again, but it happens again. That's not God's will. God's will is for us to grow to the place to where we're able to overcome those things. It's not, for, it's not God's will for us to live in anger and bitterness and resentment and jealousy. Hello. Oh, it's getting quiet. It's been quiet, but anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so we're looking at a patient God. So the Father was patient. Amen. He sees, amen, the, 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 the wayward ways of the child, but yet at the same time, he, has, he is hopeful in his spirit. Hopeful that things are going to get better because he believes that he knows what the power of Christ can do in his life. Listen to me today. Man, I was lost for 13 years. I was deep, deep sin in drug and alcohol addiction. My dad prayed for me every day for 13 years. Every day. Probably two or three times a day. There wasn't a time he took a meal he didn't ask God to save his son. And you know what? One day my dad laid across the bed in his apartment there with my mom in the afternoon and he cried out to God and he said, God, I prayed every prayer that I could pray for this boy. I don't have any more prayers left in me. He said, just like Abraham, I'm going to put him on the altar. And you know what? The Lord spoke to my dad that day, and he said, just like Abraham, he will not lose his son. He said, Abraham didn't lose his son, you're not going to lose your... And two weeks later, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. When it seems like that you're at the end of the rope, let me tell you something. When your hope is giving out, when your patience is at the end, when it feels like that you can't pray another prayer, God picks up because the heart of the Father is relentless, man. He never gives up. 
He always looks and reaches and searches and He's constantly going after those of us who are still in need. Are you hearing me today? Amen. This is the heart of the Father that we serve. He is, re- he is relentless. Glory to God. i, I got to tell you another story. My brother, I have an older brother. He is uh, somewhere in Arizona at this point. I haven't seen him since I was 18 years old. He was 14 years older than me, but we grew up. You know, I mean, he lived in our home when I was a kid. I mean, you know, we, it wasn't like I didn't know him. You know, we were, we were, uh, we were family. And uh, some along, somewhere along the line, about the time I was 18, I'm 61 now, so that tells you a while. And about 18 years old, my older brother disowned our family. We never knew why. He would never tell us what, what happened or what occurred or anything. All we knew was is that we didn't have any contact with him. And, you know, me and my other brother, my middle brother, we're like, we, you know, he told us it had something to do with our dad, but we were, the rest of us were like, well, what about us, you know? I mean, what are we, like sliced salami or what? And I, did, I have still yet to see my brother. I have not seen him since that, since that day. And my dad loved my brother so much, and it killed him. Man, I can't tell you how many times, and my wife would tell you, I, I can't tell you how many times he would call his name out, and, and his name was Timothy, and he'd say, man, I just, if I could just see him. Just one more time, he said, and he wrote him letters, you know, he'd find out where he, where he lived at, and he'd get an address, and he'd write a letter, and he'd say, if I've done anything to you, you know, anything that I've done, please forgive me. I love you, son. I pray for you every day. He never gave up. Never, never, never. About five years before my dad died, maybe less than that, uh, he was at a church. And he would often request prayer, you know, during prayer time and what have you. And, and, and occasionally he would, he would mention, you know, would y'all please pray for my oldest son? I haven't seen him in 30-something years. I, I, I'd really like to see him. And it was the craziest thing, man. Uh, you know, after service, this guy walked up to my, my mom, an older man. They didn't know him. They'd never seen him before. They didn't know who he was. And he came up to my mom after service, and he says, he tapped her on the shoulder. And my mom, she was just this sweet little lady. And she t- turned around. She said, yeah. And, and, uh, and he, said, uh, he said, I have a word from God for you. And she said, oh, what's that? And he said, before this week's out, you're going to see your son. It had been 32 years, okay? And, and she said, well, my mom looked at him, and she said, well, that would be real nice like that. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. God told me to tell you that before this week is out, you're going to see your son. That was on a Sunday night. Friday morning in their little apartment in Terrell, Texas, a knock came at their door. And my mom walked to the door and opened it up. And there my brother stood. She didn't even recognize him. She said, can I help you? He said, you don't know me, do you? And as soon as he said it, she said, Timothy. And he came in. Listen, (laughs) my dad never gave up. Never. God never gives up on you. If an earthly father can hold on for 32 years to a hope that with, with nothing to base it on, nothing whatsoever, no hope or, or chance of ever making things right that he could see in the natural. 
How much more do you think God reaches out to each and every one of us? How much more do you think our Heavenly Father has invested in you and I? He sent His only Son to die on a cross for us. Don't you think that He is never going to give up hope on you? Amen. Hallelujah. This heart of this Father is not only relentless, but it's also compassionate. I love the story where it says that when the sun comes up and he sees the sun a long ways off, you know what that tells me? He was looking for him. Amen. He was looking for him. You ever know somebody, how they walk, the, the shape of their body, their gait or whatever? Amen. You can just see them along. That's, that's so-and-so. That's such and such and such. I can tell by the way they walk. And, and you know, I can just see the, the father sitting on his porch, and he looks down the road, and he sees his son coming up the road, and he recognizes something about him that is unmistakable. That's my son. And you know what? I heard a uh, I heard a, uh, a minister talking about this story not too awful long ago, and he said, you know, in the, in the Jewish culture, when a son did what this son did to his family and to his father, that the villagers in the in the town, were, by law, if he showed back up, they were to take him out and stone him to death. Because it was against Jewish law to disrespect your father and to be rebellious like that. And so before this, this young man even makes it to the village, the father runs to him. Amen. He runs where he's at. And he falls upon him. And he shows compassion to him. Amen. Hallelujah. God is willing to take the next step if you'll take the first. This young man was sitting down in a foreign country, broke, hungry, and disrespected. T Tony Evans says he was toe up from the flow up. Come on. Amen. He was <laughs> busted and disgusted. And he had nothing, man. He didn't have anything, but he came to himself and he thought of something. You know what he remembered? The heart of the Father. He remembered the heart of the Father. He didn't know how, how much his Father was going to do for him. He didn't know, uh, you know, how, how, uh, how much of a, of, a, of a return that he would get. But he knew this. He knew that his Father was not going to turn him away. He knew that his Father would at least treat him like a servant. He knew that in his Father's house, there was still provisions to be had. There was still love there that he could possibly experience if he would just make his way back. And man, the moment he began to show forth an effort on his part, God ran to him. God runs to us. He meets us. Mercy meets us. Grace meets us. Amen. If we will just reach out, and allow God to do what He wants to do in our life. If we'll just open the door. Don't you love that verse of Scripture where it says Jesus stands at the door and He knocks. And you know, you've seen those pictures of Jesus standing at the door knocking. And if you ever notice, there's not a doorknob on the outside. There's never a doorknob on the outside of that door. It takes us opening the door and cracking the door and allowing the opportunity for Christ to come in. He won't kick your door down. But if you'll make an effort, He'll show up where you're at. The Bible says that He had compassion on Him. There's that word, man. My favorite word in the Gospels right there. He had compassion. You know why that's my favorite word? Because every time that word compassion is used, there's an action that follows that fixes the problem. 
God doesn't just feel sorry for somebody and leave them in their mess. Amen. He sees their need and he reaches out and he begins to minister to that need. You don't, there ain't a person in this house that has a need this morning that God doesn't want to minister to. Too often we walk in here and we go through the process, you know. I, there was a couple of times when I was pastoring, I'd get sick and I'd be at home. And you know, I could look at my watch and I could tell you what we was doing at church. I didn't have to be over there. Oh, we're taking up the offering about now. Sister so-and-so singing a song about now. I mean, we had it down, you know. We get it down to a process too often. And, and oftentimes we forget the fact that we're not here just to, you know, see each other and, and go through the process. Man, the main primary purpose for us walking in these doors every single week is for God to meet us face to face. He wants to do something life-changing in every one of our lives. There's some word that He wants to impart in our hearts. Amen. That causes us to live different next week than we did last week. I think I'm preaching pretty good up here. All right. <laughs> I'm almost done, though. Hang with me a minute. All right. Hallelujah. We have a... I love the story. When, when he falls on his neck, look what he says. He doesn't say, yeah, you know, good thing you showed up, boy, because, you know, the guy that was shoveling dung out there at the horse stall, he quit last week. So, yeah, I could use another helper. That's not what he said. The father embraced him, kissed him on his neck. He put a robe on him. He put shoes on his feet. He put a ring on his finger. You know what that ring was? The ring was the authority of the family. Amen. It was the authority of the family. They, they, they wore a ring with a signet on it. And, you know, it was like your credit card. What's in your wallet? What's on your finger? When you went to the marketplace to buy something and you were purchasing a large purchase and you were making a commitment to come through with the funds, that you took that ring and you, it had a signal on it, a signet on it that represented your family and maybe they would dip it in ink or wax and they, and they would push it against whatever it is that they, a document or what have you. And, and it basically meant I have the authority to purchase this for my family. I have that authority. It's the same word that we get sealed in the New Testament where it says that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, His seal is upon us. We have the authority. We belong to Him. We are a part of His family. Woo! Come on, somebody. That's shouting ground right there, buddy. You know, I came up in a pretty decent family, but it don't match that one. Amen. Nothing matches the Heavenly Father. Nothing matches the authority that God has in my life. Amen. Because Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it shall be done. Come on now. Amen. That don't mean we can go out and get a new Mercedes. It means that when there is a need that is present, and there is a mountain that needs to be moved, that we can count on the fact that God is on our side. He's going to come through for us. He has our, 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 our uh, welfare in, in mind. Amen. Hallelujah. He was forgiving. Aren't you glad that we serve a forgiving Father? That there's nothing that we can do? There's not one sin you can commit? You know what? Every, every person, Jeffrey Dahmer, 
Jeffrey, you have any of you know who Jeffrey Dahmer was? A cannibal, man. And when they, they arrested him, he had body parts in his refrigerator. Jeffrey Dahmer came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his son of Sam. Remember son of Sam? Those of us that are old remember that. There was a guy by the name of Sam Berkowitz in New York City back in the 60s. And, and he was just walking around killing people. Just shooting them in the head. You know, killing and, and I don't know, I think he was a rapist as well if I'm not mistaken. And, and uh, Jim Cimbala pastors Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. And Sam, son of Sam is doing life in prison obviously. But Jim Cimbala is close friends with son of Sam. And he said, man, he is just the most kindest, sweetest, uh, loving Christian man that you'll ever put, your, ever put your eyes on. Because when God comes into somebody's life, he changes them. Amen. There was a guy, that is, his name is Maury Davis. He pastors the largest assembly of God in Tennessee. And he, he runs you know, several thousand people every Sunday morning. Maury Davis grew up in Dallas, Texas. When he was 21 years old, he was a meth addict. And a meth deal went bad and he killed a guy. And he drove down Oral Thornton Freeway throwing body parts out on the media. They caught him and gave him life in prison. He did 25 years in prison. Before they sent him to prison, he got saved. The whole entire time he was in the Texas Department of Correction, he was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he got out, he got his license with the Assemblies of God and now pastors the largest AG church in Tennessee. There ain't nobody beyond God's reach. There ain't nobody God can't change. Amen. Man, we, we look at ourselves sometimes and compare ourselves with somebody else trying to make ourselves feel good. Amen. But the bottom line is that in God's eyes, we're all lost until we know Jesus. There ain't no good sin and bad sin, big sin, little sin. Amen. We're all sinners until we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then we become a saint. Are y'all with me today? Mm. Alrighty. Okay. Two more points. What the hell am I doing? All right. Joy. The heart of the Father is full of joy. What did he do? He said, man, let's have a party. <laughs> this is a great time for a party. My son, who was lost and undone, he came home. Man, I didn't even know where he was at. I didn't know when he was going to come back. But look at here. He is back in the house. It's time to kill the fatted calf. It's time to call the band. We're going to have a dance. Are y'all with me today? Man, I tell you what, there ought to be rejoicing in this house every single week. Amen. We ought to have something to rejoice about every week. There should be testimonies that are ringing forth every single week about how God has done something miraculous in somebody's life. Because God ain't about maintaining. God is not a maintainer. God is about progressing and going forward. And you know what? If we will allow God to do so, He will take us to a different level. How many of you know that He wants to do that? He will. He'll take us to a higher level to where, you know what? We're seeing more and more people say, what, don't you love to see people come to the Lord? Don't you love to see people get healed of their sickness? Don't you love to see people get delivered from addiction? Amen. Anybody? He's still in all that business. He ain't quit. He's still able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we ask or think according to the power with, that worketh within us. That's what the Word of God says. 
And when, that, and when those things occur, it's time for rejoicing to take place. When sister gets up here to lead the worship, man, there should be joy in this house. We ought to be rejoicing with all that's within us. Why? Because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. I'm not that old guy I used to be. Amen. That old bitterness and that anger and that addiction is gone. Praise the Lord. We should be lifting Him up with all of our hearts. Man, she shouldn't have to be a cheerleader. Praise God. She don't need no pom-poms. We ought to be, we ought to be pushing her on. Sing another one, sis. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't they do a great job? Give them a big hand, will you? Last thing is that the heart of the Father is inclusive. It is inclusive. Uh, when, God, when Christ told this parable and He was trying to show the heart of the Father, the people that were listening to it was the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And really, uh, you know, I mean, you look at the whole story of someone who came back to Christ, and I mean, you know, they come home from being lost, and, and, and you know, they found themselves, and, and they're accepted back into the home, and, and you know, it just seems like we're focused totally on, on that sinner out there in the streets who needs to come to know Christ. But if you notice, the last couple of verses is focused on the son that was at the house. Amen. And, and you know, that's, that's when he was like getting the attention of those Jewish religious leaders. He was like, guys, you're missing the heart of the Father. You're kind of like this other brother here. When people are coming and knowing Christ and, and, they're, and they're coming to a new knowledge of God, instead of being joyful and recognizing the fact that that could have been you, but for the grace of God, there goeth I. Hello? He said, instead, you're sitting around patting yourself on the back of it at all that you've done so far and how that you are not happy that somebody else is getting a celebration and you're not. And he said, that should not happen. Why? Because you've always been here. You're my child. Everything that I have belongs to you. You can throw a party anytime you want. You can always throw a party. Because you are a part of the household of faith. Man, I love the fact that God is inclusive. He sees where everybody's at. He knows right where everybody's head is. He knows where all of our hearts are. He knows exactly what it is that we're most in need of and what He needs to do in order to minister to us personally. Personally. I don't know about you, but there's not a week that goes by I don't need God to minister to me. I mean, there is not one day that goes by that I am not reminded that I am in need of a Savior. I can't do nothing on my own. There ain't nothing that I can do that's going to be pleasing to the Lord unless the Lord does it through me. And so we are dependent upon Him. He is inclusive. So it doesn't matter whether you're the lost guy, you're the addict, you're the person who's struggling with this or that or the other, or it doesn't matter if you're me or Tony or Matt or, or, or a minister of the Word of God or a Sunday school teacher. Hey, God is inclusive. He is drawing all of us in. He's saying there's nothing that you got going on in your life I'm not aware of. The father went out to where that son was and entreated him to come in. He begged him, please come. I don't want to leave you on the outside. You're not going to be left out. I want you to be a part of this. 
Amen. You know, the other day, Paul and Lori, when they came up here and spoke about the children's ministry, man, that touched my heart, brother. It did. That was, that was powerful. You know, you could see the passion in their heart for, to, to see lives changed and, and to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. That's what God's into. He is so inclusive. Man, this church is so inclusive. There is no area of ministry in this church that's like Carter said, we ain't going to turn down no help. Hey, listen, I'll be honest with you. There may be quite a few people in this room, but we really ain't got no room on the bench for nobody to be sitting around. I mean, we need you to get out there on the field and do something. Praise the Lord, we can use some help. And because the job is too big for us. It's too big for a couple of three people or even a team of people. It's, it's, it's a job that is monumental and it's a great task. We're building something great for the kingdom of God. Do you believe that today? Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Well, we're going to have communion here in a, in a moment. And, uh, but before I do, I, I just want to encourage you today. You know, communion is an awesome thing. I love communion. I've always loved communion. It is, there's so many different facets to it, you know? I mean, it's, it, yes, it is a time when we take, uh, you know, the elements in our hand and we uh, think about the sacrifice that Jesus paid for on Calvary's tree when we are considering the blood that was spilled and the body that was broken. But there's, always, there's also that time, you know, when we take the elements and we look into our heart, you know, because Paul said don't, don't eat and drink of the, uh, of the communion, you know, or the elements unworthily. In other words, examine, he said examine yourself, you know. You know, you're, we're our biggest judge, right? I mean, you know, you know your heart more than I do. And so he said, yeah, it's a time when you should take a look at yourself. But you know what? It's, it's something bigger than that. You know what it is as well? It's, a, it's, a, it's an act in which everybody in this room who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in unity. It, it tells us that we're all part of something. We're in this household of faith. God has done something miraculous in our life. And we'll, though we may all have a different story, every one of us could tell a different testimony, how we came to Jesus and what the Lord has done since then, and, and, and this and that. But the bottom line is, is that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. If you've accepted the Lord into your heart, you are a brother and sister in Christ. He is our Heavenly Father. He's your Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you have not accepted the Lord into your heart, this would be an awesome time to do it. This would be a great moment for you. Today could be a new day. Unlike any other day. You could look back on this day, November the 5th. Is that right? 4th. <laughs> you could look back on this day, November the 4th, 2018. And you could say, 10 years from now if the Lord tarries, that on that day, is the day that I accepted Christ into my heart and I made God my Heavenly Father once and for all. Because you only got to do it once. Are you hearing me today? Amen. Maybe you're here today and you, you did that. You made that commitment. You could say the date that you did it even. Amen. But for whatever reason, 
slowly things happen and, and we get away from the Lord like we should be and maybe our fellowship is not as strong as it should be and, and you know, we've allowed things to creep in. Hey, I got news for you. The Father is waiting. He was the Son. He wasn't a wayward home, home vagabond. He was, he was a Son who the Father was looking for to come home. He was already a Son. Are y'all hearing me today? God is waiting for some of us to make our way back where we need to be. He never stopped being a son. He was never not a son. He was his son. You know, I used to tell my girls when they were young, I'd, occasionally I'd tell them, you know, if you grow up to be an axe murderer, I'm going to be disappointed in you. But I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm never going to stop loving you. I'll always love you. And... You know what? God, well, hopefully there ain't no axe murderers here. Hopefully, God looks at each and every one of us. And you know what? He has never stopped loving us. Irregardless of what we've done or how low we've steeped. There's been times in my life where I thought, man, how could God forgive me? I can look back and I can see so many things that I've done that I'm ashamed of. And I think, man, Lord, how could you forgive One time I brought a load of firewood to my golf buddy for his wood stove. And he didn't even know I brought it to him. I went out there to his house and I was just stacking it up. And I was listening to, a, I think I was listening to a sermon or some worship music. And whatever it was that I was listening to went off. And, and you know, uh, uh, boy, the old enemy, the, you know, the devil. He's such a liar. How many of y'all know he's a liar? Amen. He, he started speaking in t- to me and he was like, man, how do you, you know what? Look at all the stuff you've done. How do you expect God to ever use you like he wants? Look at, look at your mistake. You know what? And if you're not careful, you start buying into that nonsense. And I was sitting out there stacking that wood, you know, and I was thinking, yeah, man, I am a wretch. I don't even know what a wretch is. And y'all know, anyway. I am a wretch. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly in my spirit and in my heart. And He said, you know what? Every time you sinned, it gave an opportunity for my grace to be seen. We don't sin so that grace can be seen. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Amen. There's nothing that we've done that God's grace can't cover if we'll just allow it to happen. So anyway, when we get ready to do our communion this morning, we've got communion stations set up here like usual. We're going to take the elements together. I actually sent Khalif a text this morning of a song that by Matt Redman. It's called The Father's Song, and it just touched my heart this week. I'd never even heard it before this week. And so he's going to play that song. At the end of that song, if you would, please hold those elements in your hand. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, this would be a great moment for you just to ask God to forgive you of your sin and ask him to come into your heart and that's really basically it it's not it's not anything beyond that and and if you if you're away from the Lord and you're not really in fellowship like you should be this would be a great time today for you to just ask God you know what Lord I just want to come home I just want to come back to the house I don't want to be a servant I want to be restored I want to be right back where I need to be and so I want you to consider that, if you would. And they're going to turn the lights down and do that. And, and brothers who help with that or communion. Or, okay, yeah. All right. So I'm going to pray right now.
Father, God, thank you today, Jesus, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your peace. God, your relentless love. God, thank you, Lord God, for the hope that you have given us. Lord, for, for all the joy that you have, you have restored or you have in for each and every one of us if we will just find our way back to you, Lord. God, we just pray, God, that you would just draw us together in unity and give us, Lord, just an awesome sense of your presence right now in the name of